so the the song is amazing um all it does all that song does is just tell you what jesus did it just tells you what god has done and then our response is praise the father praise the son praise the spirit three like in light of what he has done not not look not measuring your performance but in light of what god has done it just we just want to praise him does that make sense and um Again, that's kind of a theme for us as we do our, our kind of vision coming forward. So to review 2021, some of you all weren't here at the beginning of 2021, and, and 2020 hit us pretty hard. We had some deaths. Remember Dan from the mission? Remember how Dan got saved? And, and we, we, we sometimes will we'll say it almost jokingly, but We'll talk about, man, that guy got saved good. Like some people, they're born again, and it's like they are on fire. They're excited. Like God's, they're, they're, okay, Dan was one of those guys. And he, when he would walk in the door, he was, it was like bluebirds and sunshine. Not that he wasn't in a tough place, but he was so full of joy and love and peace. And Dan, he got COVID and ended up dying. And uh, Tammy died, and and Bill died, and and um, Mike Bartholomew died. He he didn't die exactly of COVID, but he died kind of as as a collateral damage from COVID, and the isolation that came from COVID was was deathly for him, and and um, so we we were hit pretty hard by that. It was kind of a downer of a time a year ago when when we when I presented our mission focus for 2021 and, and we had 21 people in class and then we had people on zoom and I thank God for zoom like you guys were able to stay connected on zoom it's really no fun being on zoom you, you don't maybe you feel a little bit disconnected because we can't really interact like we'd like but I do thank God for it but what we prayed for in faith was for us to double Okay, so here's how discipleship works. Okay, Wagi and Lois reproduce in someone else what God has done in their life. That's what discipleship is, right? Does that, that make sense? You take someone who's not a disciple, you invest in them, and, and then in the end, they are a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Gail has reproduced himself in Xander as in the process of discipleship. So if you have 21, and everybody's able to reproduce themselves, then you can grow to 42 if you have a discipleship philosophy of ministry, right? Obviously, not everybody is going to exactly do that. But still, based on discipleship math, we prayed and asked God if we could go from 21 to 42. Now, I'll just put this out there. When you pray specifically, okay, that's... That's a prayer of faith. Because out in front of everybody, we're putting it out there. So what if we don't, what if God doesn't answer that prayer? Is there anything wrong with God? No, that means there's something wrong with me. Right? So when we pray specifically, we it, it requires faith because you're putting it out there, right? It's kind of like the Rams. If you stand up and say, the Lord hath spoken, the Rams will win. Okay, well, if they don't, 
no one's ever going to listen to you again. If we say, God, would you allow us to double and we don't, okay, we have to, does that make sense? When you pray specifically, it's a prayer of faith. And so we prayed, we prayed for more couples because we had really strong in singles, but not in couples. We prayed for our family members. My son was trying to get into med school and he didn't get in last year and he moved to Kansas and he did some things because he was trying to get into just one place. And we prayed and, you know, we're praying for Nathan and we're praying for family members and <clears throat> we prayed for discipleship. Okay, so how did God answer that prayer? Okay, so first on your blank, we prayed in faith. We didn't just like pray like God bless mommy and God bless daddy. You know, like we actually prayed kingdom type prayers and faith. And so on 1220 of 21, so getting close to the end of the year, we had 42 people in class. We had 30, 37 in class and we had five on Zoom. That was our 42. So we prayed for 42 and we hit 42. We didn't hit 43, we hit 42. Specific prayers for family members were answered and we're still praying for those things. We got discipleship taking place all over the place. So, so here's the point. God answered our 2021 specific prayers. He answered those prayers specifically. We prayed for Bible studies. We didn't have any Bible studies. I didn't put that on the list, but we prayed for Bible studies. And now we've got four, maybe five Bible studies around the metro. So the things that we prayed for specifically, God answered specifically. Now, now here's the thing. We prayed. We're like, okay, God, this is us talking to you. And then we're waiting for God's response. And then look how God responded. God, could, could we double? He's like, yeah, okay. God, discipleship. Yeah, okay. We need couples. He's like, yeah, okay. Everything we asked for, he gave us. And now... It's like God said, okay, here's my answer to you. And now it's our turn again to respond back to what he's done. We prayed, he answered. Now it's our turn. That's how communication goes. I speak to Wagi, he responds, and then I respond. And at some point we close that communication loop on, on that particular topic. But my, what's been coming to mind for me all week is how do we respond to what he's done? And here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to have hardened hearts. You guys know what, what that means biblically to have a hardened heart? Is that like arteriosclerosis? There is a spiritual arteriosclerosis where your heart's hardened. You have a, okay, and so we're going to get this from Hebrews 3, 8 through 10. But hardened is what goes in the blank. So look at this. Harden not your hearts, Hebrews 3, 8 tells us, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness referring back to israel in the wilderness when god was taking care of them and then they they were kind of like rejecting god and not paying attention to what he was doing when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my works for 40 years and here's what god says wherefore i was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my way. So here's what a hardened heart looks like spiritually. They saw God's works. And yet, despite that, they didn't know his ways. 
So I prayed. I received eternal life from God, and there was a supernatural thing that happened to me. I was born again. The weight of my sin went off. Oh, I felt like I could breathe for the first time. I'm a new creature in Christ, and God did that according to his word. And then all of a sudden, now I'm going to forget that and act like God doesn't love me or something like that. And, you know, that would be an example. Mark chapter 6, verse 50. They, so the disciples are rowing their boat. They saw him. They were troubled. Immediately he talked with them and said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And he went up into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves, beside, uh, in themselves beyond measure, and they wondered. So they're in the ship, and they're rowing, and it's the wind is, is fighting them, and they're trying to get to the side. They can't. Jesus comes walking on the water. He gets in the boat, and, and, and everything just calms, like, miraculously, supernaturally. God, Jesus just takes care of them. They were sore amazed beyond measure, and they wondered. So they're like, what, what, what happened? And here's the testimony. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Jesus just fed thousands of people with seven loaves and, and a few fishes. He just did a huge miracle. And despite having seen that work, they didn't know his ways. And when he did another miracle, they were just like, what possibly could have happened? Like they wondered. Okay, for us, what we don't want to do, you guys, is be recipients of the love of God, to be recipients of imputed righteousness. That means that he just took righteousness. He took the righteousness of Christ. Okay, so if I could just bundle up the righteousness of Christ right here, form an energy ball of righteousness. Okay, here's what God did. He just like put it on Nick. He's like, this is now yours. So if we had a, a bank account, a spiritual bank account, and we had to reckon, do the math, you're righteous before God. Did you know that? That's the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Can you, who, who here can earn righteousness in the eyes of God through, through works, through keeping the law? No, nobody. How are we righteous before God? It's the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Having received that righteousness, having received God's love, we've seen his works. We ought to know his ways. When we prayed specifically, he answered specifically, having seen his works. Okay, how are we going to pray now? In light of the fact that you now know that God loves you, that God is with you. Well, even better than that, God is with us. It, I just, how do you respond to that? How should we? respond to that because it's our turn we prayed he answered and now it's our turn to respond to what he has done and and that's kind of what i want to look at and, and i would say this we definitely want to respond in faith amen we don't want to have hard hearts this is what that would look like i just don't know if god's with us god's like what? You asked for 42. I gave you 42. How could you not see that's me saying I'm with you? 
you pray specifically, I'll answer specifically. As long as it's according to my word, my will and my ways, we need to respond in faith. And then here's the other thing. We need to respond in fellowship. We'll be talking more about that. And then, and then we want to pray specifically. I think we can all see that if you're awake. Okay. But specifically, what should we pray for, guys? I mean, if he's going to answer our prayers that we pray specifically, what should we pray for? Mm, okay, that's what we're going to be talking about. So before we get into kind of a, a picture I want to present, I just want to, this is not a mission update. The mission hasn't changed. Okay, so making disciples, that is evangelism, baptism, teaching, training, and sending, everything that goes into reproduction, uh, taking people who aren't followers of Jesus Christ and turning them into followers of Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is. So all those things, that's what the mission is that God gave the church. And then that's the mission that God gave this church. So we just summarize everything that the church is supposed to be doing. Evangelism, baptism, membership, leadership training. We'd summarize it all as discipleship, okay? So how we do it, I've got written down here on number three. So the way it works is, you know, you take one of our on-ramps, cost of discipleship or new members class. You want to do both eventually. Salvation. You, you, want, you, want, you want that. That's a good thing. Baptism. So, so, yeah. Okay, so, so then you want to end up, before you're done with discipleship, you want to end up joining one of our ministry teams so that you can learn how to serve and you can get trained up in ministry. So you join that team, and then and then you get a little spiritual attack. You deal with that. You kind of shake yourself. You, you know, get settled in, and then you're going to start running some things. You're going to get because if you're on a team for six months, people are going to put you in charge of something, right? You get trained up in leadership. So there's pathways for growth on there, and and what we find is in terms of a ministry, if you've been in ministry leadership, what you understand is this is kind of all consuming. This takes all of our time and energy. So we are going to watch the Super Bowl today. That's going to be fun, you know. But in terms of our ministry activities, it really takes all of our time and energy to do what God gave us to do, which is why we try not to add on too many ministries to our church. We already have plenty to do making disciples. So discipleship is the mission he gave the church. It's the mission he gave this church. It's the purpose that our structure was set up for. We set up a structure to make disciples. We didn't add discipleship to our church. We added our church to the mission of discipleship. I don't know if you got that. Who got that in new members? They covered that. Okay, good. Discipleship is glorifying to God. So as we get conformed to the image of Christ and as we grow to be more Christ-like and we grow to be a part of helping others, in the same thing, that's glorifying to God. And in order for us to do that work, we, we probably need a little transformation ourselves. Okay. So Christine led us in, in praise this morning. Thank you, Christine. And I just wonder if in response to everything that God has done, we shouldn't do that. 
regularly. Okay, well, gonna require a little transformation in the living well structure, the format. I'm not gonna probably do that every week. It's really not in my comfort zone. I'm not really a worship leader, not musically. So who's gonna do it? We need to pray. Okay, so in other words, in response to what God has done, do we have the structure that we need to have? We're going to be talking about that and praying about that next week, but we may need to be transformed just a little bit in order to optimize our ability to transform others. Are you guys willing to do that if, in response to what God's done? I, I think we should. So in terms of discipleship, discipleship is his idea. I didn't come up with this. Sam didn't come up with this. Scott, Gail, like, Wagi, you didn't come up with this. We, it's, it's, this is what God has given the church to do. So if we are making disciples, listen, you guys, we don't have to ask, is God with us? Because we're with him, right? I am walking in fellowship with God when I'm doing what he told me to do. Okay, so any questions on that? Okay, I got a picture for you. Genesis chapter 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. That's a branch, okay? So what's happening in Genesis 49, verse 22, is that Abraham, wait, I'm sorry, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Okay, Jacob got changed to Israel. Israel had the 12. Okay, so I'm, I'm there now. Joseph is one of the 12 tribes. So Israel, who, whose name was changed from Jacob, is now blessing his offspring, and he's giving them all kind of a prophecy and a blessing about what's going to happen. They didn't all get really good blessings from their father, if you read through Genesis 49. But Joseph did. Okay, so, so here's the picture. There's a fruitful branch that's part of a tree, okay, or part of a vine, part of another plant. By a well whose branches run over the wall. So what we have is we have a branch, a well, and a wall in this picture. Now, there's a pattern in Scripture, okay? So we're the living well class. There's a picture of the well. Where do we find that in Scripture? John chapter 4. So John chapter 4, Jesus, and he's got the, the woman at the well, and he's talking to her, and he asks her for a drink of water, which culturally would have been a bad thing. Like, you don't talk to them. And, and, but he did, and he said, can I, you know, give me something to drink? She said, you know, they start this dialogue. So Jesus, you know, he just comes alongside her and engages her with where she's at. And he says, I have water. If you knew who I was, you'd ask me for the water. And if you drank of this water, there would be a living well, a wellspring, a fountain of water that would come up inside you and you'll never thirst again. Now, if you cross-reference with John chapter 7, you know that he's talking about what? 
Anybody? Holy Spirit. So gee, the, there's this well that can spring up. It pictures fellowship with God. And that's what this class is named after. If you go to Genesis chapter two, you know what you find? You find a tree and a river in a garden place of fellowship with God. If you go to Revelation 22 to the end of the book, you know what you find? Find a tree and a river. The tree brings healing and it's fellowship with God. And the, the bride says, come. All, any, whosoever will, come. Drink of the waters of the river. Eat of the... So there's this picture all through scripture of fellowship with God that includes a well and a tree, and, and, and just in terms of a picture for us, a starting place for us. So we've got this. So, so Joseph, you know, he was one of the 12 tribes, turned into two of the tribes because he had two kids. But anyway, he was a distinct living part of a family, right? So we are a distinct living part of something bigger than ourselves here in the living class, in living well class. We talk about having a fellowship because you, there's things you can't do by yourself and there's things you can't do sitting in the middle of the sanctuary. We want to do those things together as a fellowship. That's the branch. Then you have the well. That pictures fellowship. Okay, now we just finished 1 John, right? Coincidentally, which I think the Lord just timed this out, 1 John is all about fellowship, the fellowship that we have with each other and the fellowship that we have with God and how that works and what that looks like and how cool that is. We just got finished with 1 John, but that's the well having, you know, there's communion with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. So, so fellowship is established, and we are a fellowship, and we have fellowship, but then there's the wall, okay? And this is maybe one area that we would want to focus on as a class, okay? So the wall is for separation. That's why you put up that wall. It's like to keep the neighbors out or to keep the dog in or whatever. You're, you're creating a delineation between there and here. So, look, fellowship needs to be protected. Everybody is always welcome to come in to the Living Well class. Amen? Not everybody gets to set the environment. There may be a time where someone would come in and they're just throwing a big fit. They're being a huge distraction. We'd have to say, look. You can't do that here, right? You could picture that. So everybody's welcome, but we have to protect the environment. So let me give you some examples. Someone comes in and they're demon possessed. And they're like crying and throwing up and having seizures and jumping around and, and then everybody. Okay. It's kind of hard to have an environment conducive for worship when that person's just over in the corner. Like we're gonna, we'd have to do something. Does that make sense? Okay, here's another example. Someone comes in and they don't understand the finished work of Christ. They don't understand that, you know, inside these four walls, it's a place where the finished work is appreciated. 
and they're coming in and they, they're like bragging about themselves. Excuse me, let me tell you how awesome I am. And we would all be like, no, no, look, you don't, you don't have to do that here. Jesus is awesome. He did the work. We don't have to try to act righteous because we are righteous. Amen? Does that make sense? So if someone came in and they're, they're trying to draw people away, look, you have to keep the Jewish feast days to be right with God. Oh, yeah, no, you can't. Xander, you can't teach that here. We love you. We want you here. You're welcome. But listen, we've got some walls of separation that are going to protect the environment. Does that make sense? So the garden is a place. Throughout scripture, the garden is a place where God met with his people. So anybody know? Who, who took uh, the intro to Old Testament classes and Bible survey? Okay. You remember Song of Songs? What's the difference between a garden and a vineyard? Remember? There's no walls. Who said that? Was that you? Okay, Fareed, you're like A-plus student today. Okay. So a vineyard has fruit there, but a garden has walls. And the, the, the walls, it keeps the world out and maintains an environment that's conducive for worship. So we're not ever going to be exclusive in terms of like, oh, the type of person. Ah, God forbid, we're all recipients of, of grace. And that's the only way you ever get into the right relationship with God is through Christ. But once we are in right relationship with, with God through Christ, we ought to appreciate that. We ought to have an environment where we can like, I can look at you and I just see a bunch of people that God loved so much he died for. And you said yes to eternal life. And now here we are. And isn't it good to be on the inside, to be in fellowship with God, in relationship with God, and not have to pose, not have to pretend, not have to act spiritual. We can just come in and enjoy the fellowship that we have in Christ. But that's under attack. That's why Nehemiah had to build those walls back up. That's why God meets with the people in the garden. It's, it's not the vineyard, it's the garden, like the secret garden thing. You can study that out in scripture. Do you have verses there in your, in your handout uh, at the end of this section? Yeah. Yeah, so, so those verses are on there for you. But does that make sense how we as a class could appreciate what we have, but then at the same time control the environment so that that doesn't get ruined by a distraction or something like that. Does that make sense? Have you ever been in a service and there's someone who's distracting? Yeah, so what do you do when that happens? Remove them? If you have to. That's a distraction in itself. You always make a mess cleaning up a mess. Did you notice that? But yeah, there's times where we just have to say, hey, you know what? Can we go talk? Let's go downstairs. I'll get you a cup of coffee. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's ways to address it. So uh, that was uh, that was Pastor Brett. Uh, 
who just ripped this guy for being a distraction. Like, dude, it was like that guy probably messed himself. It was like intense, like yeah. Yes. Yeah. So one thing that I I I would recommend is the usher. So so if if Nick's being a distraction, the usher can just walk up and stand in the aisle nearby. <laughs> you know. So. So. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. That's good. Okay. I think we as a fellowship need to appreciate what we have and then pray over what we have and just maintain an environment that reflects what we have in Christ. Does that make sense? What God has done for us, you guys, is so good. And what we have is so beautiful. And it would just be a shame. Sam said something at the beginning of the Lord's Supper, and he, he said something about, he said, if any are here and they see us do this, the Lord's Supper, and they don't know the Lord, it should convict their hearts and move them to get right with God. Remember him saying that? Something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but it's the same thing. If a lost person or someone who's carnal, who's never been a part of just a group of people who recognize what God has done and they're grateful and they're thankful, if they could just walk in and see that. I think it would just be like a breath of fresh air. That's what everybody's looking for is light and love and grace and truth and peace and hope and encouragement. You know, does a soul matter or not? Well, yeah. Okay. Do people who come in here know how much they matter because we're showing them that because we have a fellowship or does that make sense? Without the walls, you don't have a garden. And you can't have an environment that's protected because there's no walls. Like we have physical walls. I'm just saying we ought to own the environment in such a way that what we have is evident. And then finally, you know, in terms of our picture from Genesis 49:22, a branch, a well, and a wall, there's fruitfulness there. Now, now I, I'm saying that fruitfulness is going to come from our hospitality. Okay, that's a weird thing to say. But in this picture that we have, growth is an outward thing. The branches that come from the tree that's planted by the well inside the walls grows to the point where it runs over the wall. It overflows. It's an outward thing. And you could study the rivers in the garden in the beginning. There's one river that branches into four rivers, which is backwards from how rivers really work nowadays. Nowadays, you have a whole bunch of little streams that come together and form a big stream, and they come together, and it forms the bigger river until eventually it runs into like the Mississippi or the Missouri or something, and some big river. The, the river in Genesis was opposite of that. There was one river that broke up into four different heads, and it went outward. The tree grows outward and it spreads that way. And in terms of fruitfulness, like we could really focus on evangelism and then, and then 
But I think we need to focus on hospitality. I think we need to focus on spiritual fruit personally. And I think that's going to overflow into our families. It's going to overflow. If we can learn inside these walls that we have to, to actually appreciate what we have, to be able to show love one to another, to be able to communicate in light of the finished work of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit active in my life is going to be contagious. The fruit of the Spirit active in your life is going to be contagious and your spouses and your friends and your family and your coworkers and your kids and all the people you love and care about, they will be beneficiaries of the overflow of what God's done in your life. When visitors come and they see that true fellowship, they're going to want to stay. They're going to, they're going to see something that's real. And I think that our fellowship can be extended through hospitality. Okay, so what I want to do next week is when you come in next week, the class is going to be set up differently. We're going to put these tables in, in just like groups. So you just come in and sit at a table. We're going to take notes. We're going to kind of do the, the whole round table group discussion thing. And what I want to, I want, and, I'll, and I'll introduce what, what, what we can do and how we can do that, but we'll work in groups next week to just get our heads around very specifically how we can respond to what God has done. If he's going to answer our prayers specifically, if he really is with us, how do we respond to that as a fellowship? So living well-class ministry teams with leadership development, prayer. We've talked about a prayer band, praise, hospitality. That's really kind of one of the areas I want us to focus on. I don't know, and, and you know, I don't know that we do hospitality like we could and should, honestly. I don't know that we're doing that like we like we can. I don't know that when people come in, they know how important they are to us and how important they are to the Lord. I'm willing to be transformed as a structure in terms of how we use our time in here if we need to do things to optimize. Our Bible studies in growth, like, 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 what are we going to pray for you guys? What are we going to trust God for? So we're going to do that next week. Does that sound good? This week, we can break up into our small groups and just kind of go over the, the things I have listed there. And if you need to share the gospel, make sure you do that in your small groups and make sure you cover your own individual prayer requests that you have within that group but i'm excited you guys it's it's so good what god has done and to think that he gave us exactly what we prayed for i can't help but 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 just believe in my heart that he did that so that we would know that he's with us and that he's for us and that, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have what we ask. That's what First John, it's what, kind of what we finished with in, in First John there in the last few weeks. So I think it's on us to decide what we're going to do with that. It would be hard-hearted not to appreciate what he's done.
So both generally, in terms of what he's done for all believers, finished work mentality, but also specifically, you guys, God is with us. Why not do something amazing? Why not be part of something that's worth doing? That, that, that in the end, everybody would look back on and say, only God could do that. You know about the 2012 baptisms in, in 2012, right? 212 baptisms in 2012, right? You guys know about that? Yes? No? So not everybody does. So in 2012, we just wanted to trust God for something so big that only God can do it. Since it was 2012, Sam just came up with the number 212. So we were trusting God. We're like, how many baptisms should we trust God for? It has to be big enough that if it happens, it's amazing and it's something only God can do. A hundred baptisms. We, we probably, we weren't the size church we are now. We were probably a church of three, 400 maybe then. So we said, okay, 212 baptisms in 2012 would be impossible for a church our size. So what we did was we prayed specifically. Again, when you pray specifically, it's in faith. Because if you don't get the 212, well, we know there's nothing wrong with God's word. We know there's nothing wrong with God, so it must be something wrong with Sam. Like, you know what I'm saying? You put it out there. So we put it out there. And then what we decided was, if we're going to get 212 baptisms, we, we're going to put the baptismal tank up every single service. So we had to form a baptism tank team to set up and put down the baptismal tank. But we set it up in faith every service. And by the end of the year, when we went through and added up all the baptisms, guess how many we had? Exactly. Not 213. Not 211. 212. So we're going to break up into small groups. We're going to talk about these things. But when you come back next week and we have these roundtable discussions, it's going to be not roundtables, literally, but let's not bring it weak. Let's not be faithless. But whatever we pray for, faith anticipates and faith acts. So whatever we pray for, we need to be prepared for. If we pray that we're going to double again, Okay, you guys better get ready to disciple. You better, I, I need someone to step up who can really play the guitar and lead work. I, I need someone who's going to lead that prayer band. I need someone who's going to own some of these things. Make sense? Yes, Christine. Yes, I will share the story of the junior high. So the story of the junior high class at Midtown, we did not have a junior high or high school ministry. We had two junior high, two and a half junior high students. One was with mom half the time and with dad half the time. And then we had two sixth graders and one freshman in high school, but we didn't have a junior high or high school ministry. And the Holy Spirit prompted me, Christine prompted me. <clears throat> She's like, I'm not okay not having a junior high ministry here. I'm like, well, you know, pray about it. And what finally ended up happening was, I got a vision for a junior high ministry. So we didn't have one. 
But what I did was I presented to the church the vision for a junior high ministry at Midtown Baptist Temple. And then we prayed in Jesus' name for a junior high ministry at Midtown Baptist Temple. Okay. So fast forward a couple of days. It's Friday afternoon and I'm out raking leaves in my, in my yard because it was autumn time. And it was like the Holy Spirit just tapped me on the shoulder. And it went something like this. Not didn't literally hear the voice of God, but it could have been. Like, hey, Chris, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a Baptist. You know, I don't believe in all this. Okay, but, but yeah, I'm just raking my leaves, right? Raking my leaves. He goes, uh, thought you prayed for a junior high ministry. Like, yeah. Thought you prayed in Jesus' name. Like, yeah. And I'm raking my leaves. So what are you doing out here raking your leaves? Why aren't you preparing a message faithlessly? You're just you're raking leaves. You are are you trusting me to answer this prayer? So I'm like, I drop my rake, you know. I go inside and I prepared a message for the junior high class that we did not have. That Sunday, we had six junior high students. I just set up two tables in what's now the cafe, and we had a junior high class that week. The next week, we had like 11 or something like that. Kid Town was, was going, yeah. Yeah, so... Faith anticipates. So whatever we pray for. So, so then I was like, okay, well, God, I don't think I'm the guy to like run this junior high ministry. So we prayed, talked to, you know, Sam and, and Brandon Briscoe was a design guy at the roastery cafe. I asked him, I'm like, Hey, have you ever thought about working like junior high ministry? Now, he says he doesn't remember this, but he just went, ha, no, I don't like youth. I don't like kids. I work. I'm a designer. And I'm like, okay. You know, I didn't know it. Sam had the same conversation with him. He ended up taking over the junior high class, then the high school class, and then Dan Renault. Dan Renault started college and young adult class in what is now the conference room above these back stairs right there with that big window with eight students. Our college and young adult ministry started with eight students and Dan Renault built that to then they outgrew that space. They outgrew the next space. Then they were up and James Fife was, was took over high school. Yeah. So all, all we just, it all came of just a simple prayer of faith and God is with us. Okay. So a couple things, I, I don't want to bring it weak. I don't want to be hard-hearted and act like God's not with us. And I don't want to act like souls don't matter. Because what if, uh, what if God's just looking for people whose heart aren't hard, whose hearts are perfect toward him, people in whom he can show himself strong on their behalf, but really he's glorified when we bear much fruit. So if we abide in the vine, if our environment as a class, if we can do that, we will bear much fruit. And guess what? It will glorify God. 
Like that's what I'm talking about. But God may just tap you on the shoulder while you're out raking your leaves because you need to be a part of the ministry in that way. So we're going to be talking about this next week. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get up to our small groups while we still have time. Father, we love you. Uh, God, we just want to be a part of what you're doing. And you've been so good to us. And for us to act like you haven't done the things that you've done would be hard-hearted. For us to just go to service and then go to work and then, you know, not consider these things. God, help us. We ask you, we beg you to be a fruitful branch planted by a well. And Lord, if, if our branches could run over the wall, and the people that we know and love, Lord, could come see who you are and what you've done through us. God, that would be amazing. And God, we confess to you, maybe our fellowship isn't established as, as strongly as it should be. And maybe it's not protected like it's, it should be. And maybe it isn't extended like we should be. But I just pray, Lord, that you'd, you would transform us and, and allow us, Lord, to reflect who you are and what you've done to the world. And God, if we could do this as a group, not just as individuals, God, I think, I think that'd be awesome. So, Lord, would you help us with this? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.